Advancements in technology, shifting markets, and the gig economy are changing the nature of work. With this in mind, Harvard Business School Executive Education is launching a new program on managing the future of work. Based on the latest research into the forces reshaping workforce demographics, this program is designed to help employers remain competitive by thinking strategically about today's evolving business landscape. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me future. That's hbs.me future. You're now experiencing the AJ Nashville Podcast. Real people, real problems, real success stories. Here lately. It's not something I did intentionally. I've been moving to a new office. We up and moved from a location in Franklin, Tennessee and moved to a place that was about four miles from my house and about two miles from Jeff's house out here in Spring Hill. The location, obviously, is a lot nicer, a lot better laid out. It's all one floor, uh, very easy to move around, almost seems like too much space, but it's no larger than the location that we came from. The only difference is this layout is far superior to the old one. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't miss the old place. Obviously, that's where I started Everything with Hancock, that's where I initially started growing. That's where I started my podcast. That's where I started my videos and everything else. So obviously there's some attachment there. But I have to admit, being closer to the house, this layout, everything about it is is much more convenient. So that's kind of what today's podcast is about. So I recorded one while I was still at the other building, but unfortunately the wrong mic wasn't plugged in. Um, the quality was horrible. It was very muffled. It definitely wasn't something that I wanted to share with everybody that was listening because of the fact that it was just such horrible quality. So here I am recording another one. Um, you know, a, a couple obstacles with moving, always something. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how prepared you are. There's always something that pops up that becomes an obstacle whenever you're moving. For us, the... Unloading and the moving in the office wasn't too bad. Um, I did have my eye surgery in the middle of the move, so that kind of put a damper on everything. It left a lot of responsibility to Jeff, which I am fortunate enough that Jeff is a hard worker and a good player like he is to where he just does what you tell him to. I mean, he, he takes the ball, he runs with it, and does exactly what needs to be done, no questions asked. Couldn't ask for a better assistant, loan officer assistant, or a friend. Now, one of the difficulties was the internet. So day one, we set up with the service provider that we figured would have the best service here, most megabytes per second or however that stuff's measured. Um, avoid going with the other company that seemed like it was going to be a little bit slower, internet speed and everything else. So installation day comes. Mind you, I've been down for a little over a week now. Not just with eye surgery, but with internet and everything else. So I'm falling behind in business. I'm trying to keep up with what I can with my cell phone and with connecting to a hotspot and everything else. But it becomes very difficult when you're used to working an 8-10 hour day at the office with constant contact, constant communication. So first company comes in. They look around. I'll be honest with you. The guy didn't really act like he gave a shit when he first walked in the door anyways. Um, came in, looked around. You know, said, hey, we can't, we can't pull the internet here. 
your neighbors have it, but we don't have a way to splice in. There's nothing we can do. Sorry about your bad luck. You're going to have to go without internet. So he looks at the backside of the building and says, hey, you guys are wired up for AT&T Fiber. Why don't you guys go that route? So, of course, Fiber, why not? So I call up Miss Stacy. Stacy Tarver is one of the nicest people when it comes to getting things taken care of, moving, the patience she has. You know, Johnny always jokingly calls loan officer kittens or cats. Herding cats is his job. Stacy is like the cat whisperer. She is just amazing at taking care of things and making sure transitions are smooth and everything's painless and helping out where she can. So I talked to Stacy. She sets up an appointment to get internet taken care of. They come out, they do their install, no fiber. So that locks me down to 10 megabytes per second. I mean, I think AOL had faster speeds in its prime, but I could be wrong. But I ask about the fiber, and he says that it is not yet connected. It is ran, it's connected to the unit next door, but it's not ready to go for our unit. No idea why that's the case, no idea why that happens. He leaves 20 minutes later, another guy from... Uh, internet service provider that we spoke to before stops in and says, hey, just taking a survey, wanted to check things out, see why you guys didn't go with us. And I said, well, here was the situation. I broke it down to him and he said, well, that sounds like BS to me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a look and then I'll let you know. So he comes back up and he says, no, you guys could be installed. You know, we have a couple things we have to do, but we can install you. And the internet's ten, literally 10 times faster or could be up to 30 times faster than what we have. Mind you, I'm back here in my office currently, and I can barely upload a video to Facebook that I shot earlier today for veterans. I'm, when I say barely, I got so frustrated to the point where I stopped the upload, used my mobile hotspot, and tried to upload through that. Naturally, I say, hey, if you can get us 100 megs or 200 megs or 300 megs, go ahead. Let's get it done. He tells me it's going to be two, three, possibly four weeks before this is completed. Here I am with an operating business in a building that's been set up for quite some time and am battling back and forth on trying to get Internet set up. It just it blows my mind. I don't understand how cable companies don't communicate with each other. You know, this company can't use that company's conduit and this company can't saddle back on that. And everyone's got different fibers and cables and wires and whatever. I'm just glad I'm not in the cable industry. You know, my takeaway from that whole thing was you can always be prepared. You can always sit there and and say, you know what, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to set that up. But at the end of the day, if that service provider doesn't have their ducks in a row, which Lord knows, I don't know why somebody wouldn't in this building. um, It's going to screw you. You know, you're going to be down if you run into a technician that it's it's a Friday, they don't really want to work, you're not going to get straight answers. That's all there is to it. I will say this. My service rep from AT&T was very kind, very nice, very knowledgeable. He knew what he was doing. The fact that the Internet was only at 10 megs, that's not his fault. But I wish I would have known that from the get-go because the understanding that was given to Stacy was that, hey, we're going to get 10 megs. Either way... Still here, still grateful for the new office. It is absolutely phenomenal. Those of you that are local, you need to come check it out. 220 Town Center Parkway, Suite 204, out here in Spring Hill. Come by, come see me. Check out the new, the new office, the new studio, the conference room where I'll be hosting a lot of my trainings. 
just a really, really nice layout. You guys will love it. So come check me out. Anyway, so the move is almost done. Obviously, I'm at a point where I can start recording my podcast again. Things are going fine. I've got my green screen set up, which is relatively new to me. I've always had a studio set up in my old office. Didn't have the green screen running. Have that going, so I've been messing with that all day today. Trying to get it dialed in, get the videos done that I need to complete. um, And kind of get everything going. So... That's exciting. My eye, I am finally starting to be able to see a little bit out of my right eye. It's not great, but it's better than it was. It's actually really weird. So I've went two years without being able to see clearly, if at all, out of my right eye, meaning I'm basically blind out of that eye. If a person was standing beside me, I would not know it unless I turned and looked at them. And this is something that a lot of you Uh, probably never realized because I played it off pretty good and the brain is a wonderful thing and it kind of compensated for the lack of vision in that eye. Um, I had the surgery. I was awake for the whole surgery. I was um, probably a 12-pack in is what it seemed like. You know, I had a a nice little uh, medicated buzz going on, but nothing crazy. Um, They did stick a, I believe they started with a 30-gauge needle in my eye, began to extract the... um, oil that was behind it, and then they took another needle, I think it was a 28 or 30 gauge as well, and they they put in a little air bubble. The air bubble was going to help keep the retina attached to the back of the eye by putting a little bit of pressure right there, since their biggest concern was removing this oil could cause a collapse back there in the the eye. So I've went several days, there was some initial pain, the uh, pirate's patch, as a lot of people want to refer to it as. Um, had scratched the surface of my eye, so there was some excruciating pain the first day or two. Uh, it is something I got over. Thank God for legal painkillers. Um, those definitely, definitely helped. Um, got over some of that pain. The ointment that I have to put in my eye is kind of awkward. It's a jelly-type ointment. You put it underneath your eyelid, and you blink a couple times, and it feels like someone squirted you in the eye with motor oil. Um, I put that in four times a day. And it's really starting to clear up. The first few days, it was like looking through a fogged up glass of water. Now there's still that dark kind of bubble. And when I bounce my head around, I can see it jiggle almost like I'm looking through a a water bottle that you're shaking. Um, So it's really awkward. But it is starting to come back vision-wise. I am getting full peripheral view again, which is very, very weird. I almost have to trick my brain into learning that again. It's it's amazing how your brain works because for so long, my brain just kind of shut that portion off because I couldn't see through it. So now that I'm seeing some peripheral, um, it's really tricky to my brain, almost to the point where I've forced my right eye to stay closed more than I should because it's almost more natural to see how I did. So um, brings me to another point, though. You know, when we look at things like that, things that we're used to doing, the fact that I was used to not seeing out of my right eye, the fact that I was used to having to overcompensate in order to um, see things at a distance or see things around me or in dark rooms having to kind of feel around to see where I was going so I wouldn't trip or anything like that. When the correction occurred, I still had the mental mind state that, hey, I need to rely on this dominant left eye. My right eye had always been the dominant eye. That's the eye I look downrange with. That's the eye I focus on things with. Um, 
that's kind of the eye that I've done everything with up until the surgery. So now that the two years had went, my left eye became my dominant eye. My right eye became basically a lazier eye, not doing as much work. So now that I have that clearing, my left eye is still wanting to over-dominate. The point that brings me to is the fact that that's how a lot of us get complacent in our daily lives. In our daily lives, we find the easiest route. We find the comfortable zone, the way that we can do things that take the least amount of stress and the path of least resistance and the way we want to get things done because we're used to doing it that way. As a loan officer back in the day, one of the company requirements was 200 dials a day, and that's exactly what the bar was set to. Hey, let's do what it takes to not get yelled at and go on about our business because this is the path of least resistance. And if I get lucky in the meantime, then so be it. If not, oh well, there's always another day. And that's something as human beings we see, and we always want to go the easiest route. We want to do the least amount of work. The difference between people that are extremely successful and those who are not is the fact that those that are very successful tend to do the extra work to get to the extra places that the people that aren't don't. All comes back to the whole eye thing now. The left eye wanted to do its thing. The right eye had never been a necessary portion, so my body almost wanted to shut the right eye back off by closing the eyelid in order to go on about its comfortable and normal way, the way it's been for two years. But that was a learned behavior. See, because prior to that, for 34 years, both eyes worked, for the most part. (laughs) So once my body had to struggle to see clearly, it did what it needed to do, and it shut off the uncomfortable portion. Once that is starting to be corrected, it is still wanting to shut that off because it's not used to the extra work, the mind seeing out of two portholes instead of one. And so it's wanting to go back to its comfort zone and shut back down which I know I have to force myself to open that eye because if not, I'm going to have further issues. I have to force myself, literally, consciously make an effort to open that eye, and I'll probably have to do so for several weeks before it becomes second nature again. Just like our normal lives. You have to force yourself to get out of the comfort zone. You have to force yourself to do things that others won't to achieve things that others can't. You have to continue to work on those things for weeks and weeks on end before you see some type of reward. You can't do one action once and expect it to change the pace of everything else around you that's continued to be in an action all at the same time. I think it was Newton that said, for every action, there's a reaction. That's true for the most part, but in our industry, those actions have to take place over and over and over because every action that we do is a drip of water trying to make a ripple. And if you drip the water enough times, the ripple becomes big enough and it makes a lasting impression. I talked to a real estate agent last week. person's obviously going to remain unnamed, but we had a great conversation of this person's why. And this person's why they could not fail was because of their family, because of their children. There was no question about it This person had no room for failure because their family depended on this person being successful. That is a very powerful why. One of the analogies that I use with this person is you're in a room 
full of people wearing blue hats. Everybody in that room claims to be different, but everybody in that room has a blue hat on. My job is to put a yellow hat on you so you stand out. So me training and teaching this person different things was eye-opening to this person. I think they saw things that maybe they'd never been shown before, things that could definitely help with their success, and I see this person implementing those things. And I go back and I check, and I look at some of the social media training that we did, and I go back and follow up to see if it's making a difference on this person's post and their edge rank and their the way their posts are getting viewed on Facebook, things like that, social media. And I notice that there's an increase of everything because this person is doing exactly what I told them to do. The biggest difference is lots of people have listened to what I told them to do. Very few people implement. Because let's face it, if everybody implemented everything that you told them to do, the world would be too crazy. Nobody could handle it. There'd be too much success. You have to have lazy people that aren't willing to do the things it takes to be successful. This particular person was worried about, hey, if I do this, this new thing that we were taught, then my competition's going to figure it out, and they're going to do it too, and suddenly I'm not going to be the leading edge of things. But see, here's what happens. Our competition sees what we do. They try it once, it fails, they don't do it again. Why? Because it didn't work for them. Why should they, right? I mean, why would you want to do something repetitiously in order to achieve results? So your competition will see what it is that you do. Some will replicate, some won't. The best of the best will. If it works for them, they'll continue to do it. But guess what? You have to always be on that leading edge. You have to always be learning in order to stay as that person with a yellow hat in a room full of blue hats. You have to always seek to educate yourself, to grow, to learn from mentors, to learn from coaches. Listen to podcasts. Read books. Listen to books. Sign up for that coaching class that you wondered if you should have spent the extra money on. The fact of the matter is, it may not be something that you learn that you didn't know, but it could be the simplistic thing of somebody going back and holding you accountable for doing the things that you already knew needed to be done. I'll be honest with you. I did not want to have to sit down and do this podcast today because there were so many other things that I had to do. But see, I've reached a certain level of success because of people like you that are listening to this podcast. The things that you have done to support me, the things that you have done to send me business, the things that you have done to help me continue to grow. And so I owe it to you guys. I owe it to the listeners to do something like this. Why? Because this is content that you may look forward to. It's content that may change somebody's life. The fact that I didn't feel like doing this today, but I did it anyways, could change the the perception for somebody else. It could be that one thing you need to push you over to continue to grow. And it may not. But I know if I didn't do it, I would never know. See, consistency is the biggest thing. It's the most measurable result. If you do something over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, but the result never changes, you know that the action or behavior must change. So the reaction 
can change. So my advice to everybody that's listening, if you're off to do something big, do it over and over and over and over again. And when you feel like you've done it over and over and over and over and you can't do it again, do it again. And then do it again. And if the results aren't what you expect them to be and you've put in weeks and weeks and weeks of hard work and you've done so in a measurable manner, tweak what it is you're doing slightly and see what happens then. Because one thing we all know is that success is not an overnight thing. Not for anybody. The basketball player that got recruited on the team, he'd been playing basketball or she'd been playing basketball for years and years and years in preparation to be recruited on the team. The person that just signed their big record deal or who was on American Idol, that person's been taking vocal lessons and polishing their voice and practicing different breathing and vocal techniques for years and years and years and years for that one day for success to hit. Keep practicing, keep polishing, and keep pushing. I want to thank those of you that take the time to listen. I apologize for a shorter podcast today. I still got a million things to get done. I want you guys to come out and check out my open house when I have it. Thanks again for all your support. Thanks again for all that you guys do to support and, and send me referrals and everything else that you guys do. It's just amazing. It's amazing to look at where I've been in life and, and see where I am now. But out of all people, I do know one thing. Everything that is done can be undone. If you're not consistent, if you don't plan, if you don't put things together, and if you don't respect the people that have done the doing for you. Take care. We will talk to you on Friday. Thank you for tuning in to the AJ Nashville podcast. Episodes air Mondays at 6 and Fridays at 5. Thank you for your ongoing support. Please subscribe. Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales.